Everyone has questions. Why am I here? Where will I go when I die? Is there really truth? But not everyone has biblical answers. Welcome to The Pastor Study, a ministry of pastorstudy.org. Join us now as we study the Bible to draw closer to our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Here is Pastor Tom Brock. Welcome to The Pastor's Study. Well, this week I read a sad statistic. It's from 2019, so it's a little old, but not much. The Pew Research Foundation did a survey, and today 65% of Americans say they are Christian. That is down 12 percentage points in 10 years. Oh. Which leads to today's question. What is a true Christian. You know, there's all kinds of definitions of that word. Today we're going to examine Jesus' definition of a Christian. But before we open our Bible to it, let me give you a little quiz. True or false? A Christian is anyone who has been baptized. True or false? I think it's false. I mean, understand, I believe baptism is hugely important. I think God does wonderful things and gives wonderful gifts in baptism. Um, I, I get nervous when people won't get baptized. But Adolf Hitler was baptized. Mussolini was baptized. Um, you, you know, uh, Friedrich Nietzsche, famous atheist philosopher who coined the phrase, God is dead. His father was a Lutheran pastor. His grandfather was a Lutheran pastor. Nietzsche was baptized. Jesus said, he who endures to the end will be saved. So if you've never been baptized, get baptized, but uh, doesn't, it's not your automatic ticket for eternity. True or false? A Christian is anyone who believes Jesus is the Son of God. That's false. You do have to believe Jesus is the Son of God to be a Christian, uh, but the devil believes Jesus is the Son of God. Just mental assent to truths about doctrine doesn't save anybody. True or false? A Christian, who, a Christian is anyone who has prayed and asked Jesus into their heart. I think that's false. Now, I know many of you got saved that way. Maybe you watched a TV show and you prayed and accepted Christ in your heart. And I've done that with people. It's called praying the sinner's prayer. I got to admit, it's not real biblical. There's not one example in the New Testament of an apostle saying, okay, now pray this prayer after me. Jesus, come into my heart. Again, I'm not preaching against that, but the norm in the New Testament is the apostles preach, People believe, get baptized, and join the church. That's the norm. A lot of people pray the prayer and then walk away from Christ. One more. True or false? A Christian is someone who goes to church and leads a good life. That's false. Somebody said, walking into a church doesn't make you a Christian any more than walking into a barn makes you a cow. And let's talk about the fallacy of leading a good life. In God's sight, nobody leads a good life. We are all sinners and we need a savior. So those are some false definitions of the word Christian. And 
there are people who sincerely think they're saved and they're going to find out on Judgment Day, you mean I'm not? And they'll say, Lord, Lord, do open up the door. I never knew you, said Jesus. So it's rather important that we discover what Jesus said a Christian is. Because we don't want to be surprised on the last day. Now would you open your Bible? Let's turn to Jesus' definition of a Christian. Luke chapter 9. And let's pray. Father, we pray if anyone is watching this program and they've been deceived as to what a Christian is, that you will just bring us to true faith in Christ. And Lord, we would pray that your Holy Spirit now would just open our ears and hearts, open my mouth, and you'd speak to us now. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Luke chapter 9, Jesus' definition of a Christian, starting at verse 20. And Jesus said to the, apostles, uh, the disciples, But who do you say that I am? Peter answered and said, The Christ of God. But Jesus warned them and instructed them not to tell this to anyone, saying, The Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and be raised on the third day. And he was saying them, this to them all. If anyone wishes to come after me, number one, let him deny himself. Number two, and take up his cross daily. And number three, follow me. That verse contains the three ingredients of a Christian. Number one, you deny yourself. Number two, you pick up your cross. Number three, you follow Christ. What I want to do for the whole sermon is go bit by bit through the real definition of a Christian, part of definition number one. A Christian is someone who denies himself. Now, what does that mean? Do I deny what's best for me? by becoming a Christian? No. The best thing you can do for you is become a Christian. You get blessings in this life and real big blessings in the next. So uh, if you're selfish and want to care about numero uno, you're going to become a Christian. So it can't mean deny what's best for you. So what does it mean? Well, I think the hint is in the prior verse where Jesus talks about how he's going to suffer. I think denying yourself simply means you're willing to be uncomfortable for Christ. You're willing to suffer for the sake of Christ. The moment you become a Christian, you enter a war. You fight the world, your flesh, and the devil. And it's a battle. I mean, <laughs> when I was a young guy and gave my life to Christ, I didn't think it'd become this hard. <laughs> it's hard to be a Christian because you got to fight your flesh and the world and the devil. Um, so I think denying yourself means you're willing to suffer for Christ. But let me say this. Hard as it is to be a Christian, it's harder not to be one. I mean, you think you're uncomfortable at your workplace being a Christian? Think of the souls right now in hell for eternity. Now that's uncomfortable. Somebody said once, some people spend time counting the cost of following Christ when they should spend time counting the cost of not following Christ. I mean, I, I remember a Far Side cartoon. The devil is standing next to the door of hell. A line of people are going into the door and Satan's smiling and the sign above the door says, this is the first day of the rest of your life. So yes, it's difficult to be a Christian, 
but it's much worse not to be one. Deny yourself. Second ingredient of a Christian is also in verse 23. And take up your cross daily. The second ingredient of a Christian, a Christian takes up his cross daily. Now, what does that mean to take up your cross? When Jesus was crucified about 30, 32 AD, crucifixion was the form of capital punishment for the whole Roman Empire. The Romans crucified thousands of people. And maybe the way Jesus would say this today is, if you want to follow me, you have to be willing to go to the electric chair every day. So the second ingredient of a Christian, a Christian is someone who's willing to die every day. The Apostle Paul puts it this way, 1 Corinthians 15, I am in danger every hour. I die every day. There's a story that during World War II in Europe, a church was having a worship service. Nazi soldiers burst in the door, go to the front of the church, aim their machine guns on the crowd, and say, if you're a Christian, we're going to kill you. You know, if you're not a Christian, you can leave, but if you stay, we're going to kill you. Story goes, a lot of people got up and left. When they did, and there was a smaller group remaining, the soldiers went over, bolted the door of the church, came back up to the front, put their machine guns down and said, tell us about Jesus. We want to hear about him from some real Christians. Picking up your cross means you're willing to die for Christ. But then Jesus adds the word daily. Now, you can't die physically every day. You can only do that once. So something else is being meant by this. And here's what I think when he meant when he said, pick up your cross daily. This is from Martin Luther writing 500 years ago in the 1500s. What does baptism mean for daily living? It means that the old Adam in us, our evil human nature we were born with, is to be drowned and destroyed by daily sorrow and repentance, together with all sins and evil lusts, and that again the new man should come forth daily and rise, that shall live in the presence of God in righteousness and purity forever. Where is this so written? St. Paul in Romans chapter 6, We are buried with Christ by baptism into death, that as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, so we too might walk in newness of life. I think pick up your cross means daily you say no to your flesh, no to your evil desires, and yes to Christ. There's an old song from the Oklahoma musical, Rogers and Haberstein. I'm just a girl who can't say no. It's a very funny song. That's our flesh. You say no to your flesh, it hates it. <laughs> and to pick up your cross daily means daily, God, I'm going to say no to my flesh, no to the world, no to the devil. And that's hard because they don't take no without a fight. And there are days that I don't crucify my flesh very well and I give in to my flesh. What do you do? Well, then you ask God to forgive you, bounce back up and get back in the ring. Somebody said... A Christian is not someone who never falls. A Christian is someone who gets up every time he falls. So pick up your cross daily means you might die for Christ someday. People in uh, Somalia are dying right now for Christ. But at least it means daily you put to death the deeds of the flesh. You pray, God, I crucify my flesh. Help me follow you today. Third ingredient of a Christian, verse 23 a Christian follows Jesus. Who do you follow? 
I want to tell you the story of St. Jerome. St. Jerome was born in 349 A.D. of wealthy Christian parents. In 360 A.D., the Pope himself baptized Jerome. Jerome became the greatest scholar of the ancient world. He knew Latin, Greek, Hebrew, Aramaic. He translated the Bible into Latin, the common language back then, and, and for the next 1,500 years, it was the version of the Bible. Let me tell you about the day Jerome decided to follow Christ. At age 34, Jerome had become a monk. He writes this, For the kingdom of heaven's sake, I had cut myself off from home, parents, sister, relatives, and harder still, from the dainty food to which I had been accustomed. I could not still bring myself to give up the library which I had formed for myself at Rome with great care and toil. 377 AD. He has, I don't know if this is a near-death experience or a vision. I'm not sure, but here he goes. About the middle of Lent, a deep-seated fever fell upon my weakened body. Preparations for my funeral went on. My body grew weaker and gradually colder. Suddenly, I was caught up in the spirit and dragged before the judgment seat of the judge. And here, the light was so bright and those who stood around were so radiant that I cast myself upon the ground and dared not look up. Asked who and what I was, I replied, I am a Christian. But he who presided said, you lie. You are a follower of Cicero, the pagan philosopher, not of Christ. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Instantly I couldn't speak. Amid the strokes of the lash, for he had ordered me to be scourged, I was tortured most severely still by my conscience. I began to cry, saying, Have mercy on me, O Lord, have mercy on me. Accordingly, I made an oath, Lord, if I ever again possess worldly books or ever again read such, I have denied you. I returned to the upper world. Thenceforth, I read the books of God with a greater zeal than ever before than I had read the books of men. And that was the day Jerome stopped following worldly philosophers and started picking up this book. <laughs> so I, I, I want... I, I want let, let me give you my, my example on this. <laughs> Years ago, one of the high school students at my church said, Pastor Brock, at my public high school now here in Minneapolis, they're handing out condoms to students. I said, what? And so I investigated it, and yep. And so a group of 200 people and I went down to the school board, and I got up and said, that's not the job of the school board of the schools to hand out condoms and such without parental knowledge, et cetera. Well, it made the newspaper and we didn't succeed, or maybe we did a little, but so a secular disc jockey called me up. Uh, Pastor Brock, I'd like to interview you for our radio show about this. And I said, okay, not having a clue what I was getting into. <laughs> so I drove to this radio studio and I walked in and here's some really grody posters on the wall and I knew this might not go well and he th the interview started and he just hammered me who are you to tell people it's wrong to have sex outside of marriage and who are you to to force your views on our high school students it just battered me and I well the Bible says sex outside of marriage isn't healthy in this life or the next you get diseases you get unwanted pregnancies and then there's eternity first Corinthians 6 says fornicators don't go to heaven so if for, for their you know and he just during the, during the commercial break, he was yelling at me. 
<laughs> I was very glad when I drove away from that place. But I had a friend that I, I didn't tell him I was going to be on. He just happened to catch the radio show, and he called me and he said, Tom, you drove him crazy because you refused to budge. And to me, that's what it means to be a Christian, that we don't follow the world, we don't follow Hollywood, uh, we follow Christ, and we put down the books of this world, and we pick up the book. That's what, that's what Jerome did. All right. Um, let me close with this. Let me close with telling you the story of Hans Kasserer. Born 1904, his father was a famous German-Jewish philosopher. Hans followed in dad's footsteps, became an intelligent professor of philosophy. And he was a proponent of Immanuel Kant, a philosopher who said man is basically good. But Hans couldn't bring himself to believe that. And in his 50s, he started reading the Old Testament for the first time in his life. He discovers the miraculous in the Old Testament. Then he reads the New Testament and really discovers the miracle for which he had sought. He was Jewish, but he went and he got baptized in the Anglican Church, became a Christian, spent the rest of his life reading the Old Testament in Hebrew, New Testament in Greek. He wrote a little book on the Apostle Paul, and then he died. <laughs> and the reason I tell you that story is I think he has the three ingredients of a Christian. Number one, he denied himself. He denied what he thought he knew. He put down Kant and picked up the Bible. Second thing he did, he... Uh, crucified himself daily. It was not easy to be Jewish and to go Christian. It was not easy to be a Christian in the philosophy department. I was a philosophy uh, student for a couple of semesters. Not a lot of Bible-believing Christians over there. And the third thing he did, in spite of the opposition of family, friends, colleagues, the, he followed Christ. So I'm going to ask you, ask yourself these three questions. Number one, do you deny yourself? You say no to your flesh. And when you blow it and you say yes to your flesh, do you ask God's forgiveness get back up into the ring? Number two, do you take up your cross daily? Do you uh, say no to the things of the world? And are you willing to suffer for Christ? And then number three, do you follow Christ? Do you follow not the world, not, not Hollywood, etc.? Do you follow, you know, somebody said once, a Christian is someone who doesn't follow the world, but follows the Word. Test yourself to see where you're at. I'm going to close. You know, my, my thought is this old spiritual sums it up. It goes like this. I have decided to follow Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back, no turning back. Though none go with me, still I will follow. Though none go with me, still I will follow. No turning back, no turning back. The cross before me, the world behind me. The cross before me, the world behind me, no turning back, no turning back. We'll take the whole world, but give me Jesus. We'll take the whole world, but give me Jesus. We'll take the whole world, 
but give me Jesus. No turning back, no turning back. A Christian denies himself, picks up his cross daily, and follows Christ. Amen. Welcome to the portion of the pastor study where we ask Pastor Brock questions regarding the Bible. Pastor Brock, today our first question, are you saying it is wrong to read books other than the Bible? Yeah, and I don't want to apply what God said to Jerome to every human on the planet. Okay. And I'm not even sure that was true for his, the rest of his entire life. Might have been for a season, might have been for his whole life. But God told Jerome, put down the books of the world that you're so enamored with and pick up the Bible. And I would say, I think it's okay for Christians to read philosophy books if they need to witness to philosophers. It's, I think it's okay to read uh, secular stuff, but I hope our major book is the Bible. Mm -hmm. I mean, Mona, I was having a uh, conversation with a woman who was in my church many years ago, and, and she was more on the view that homosexuality is okay. And I said, you know, but Marcia, the Bible's rather clear on that. And her response was, she's a churchgoer. Her response was, well, there are other books. Mm -hmm. Well, not for a Christian there isn't. Right. There's one book that takes superiority over every book. So I think it's okay to read non-Christian literature, but remember there's one book that trumps them all. Yeah. The book, the yep, Bible. That's right. Why do you think Christianity is declining in America? Mm -hmm. Well, you think it's bad here, you should move to go, go to Europe. I mean, Germany, Sweden, Norway, Denmark used to be strong Christian nations, mm -hmm. few people go to church in Europe now. France used to be very church going, uh-uh, not anymore. Mm -hmm. And now that's coming to America. And why is that? I think mm -hmm. that's a good question. Uh, there is in the Bible a prophecy that there will be a great falling away mm -hmm. at the end of time and men's love will grow cold. So part of this is perhaps prophesied. Um, so I, other than that, um, don't know quite what to mm -hmm. tell you, but we're losing ground. You know, people are in, in Africa now are sending missionaries to America because <laughs> I think Africa is becoming very Christian. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. Where in the world today are Christians dying for Christ? Well, I look this up. Open Doors USA says the 10 worst countries to be a Christian, I think this is in order too. Okay. Number one, North Korea. You die mm -hmm. for Christ in North Korea. Number two, Afghanistan. Number three, Somalia. Number four, Libya. Five, Pakistan, six, Sudan, then Eritrea, Yemen, Iran, and India. I had a Muslim uh, agnostic, believe it or not. He's fallen away from Islam, but he was my taxi driver from the airport. And he, he told me, yeah, the worst place, he said Saudi Arabia is very anti-Christian, mm. and that influences Somalia. So those countries are, are really rough. To, they, won't, they won't allow a church, Christian church in those countries now. Mm. So... Do you think persecution is coming to America? I think if we get governmental laws saying you have to say a man is a woman and a woman is a man, mm -hmm. or, you know, then I, I mean, I, I can't say that. If a transgender man who looks like a woman says you better call me by my pronouns, I can't lie and say, okay, if you're, if you're a man and you think you're a woman, boom, you're a woman. It doesn't mm -hmm. work that. I don't want to lie to people. Right. So it could be, it could get sticky. Mm -hmm. Yeah. If a Christian denies Christ under persecution, can he still be saved? Mm -hmm. 
Well, Mona, I'll pick your brain. Can you think of somebody who denied Christ and he still was saved? Peter. There you go, three times. Yep. And there's a yep. reason those stories are in the New Testament because in the first 300 years of Christianity, many Christians lost their lives for Christ and a number of Christians denied Christ mm -hmm. under torture and wanted to come back to the church. And they had to repent like Peter did and right. God let him back in the church. So yes, if you've blown it, <laughs> there's forgiveness through Christ. Praise God for that. Yep. Is it possible that someone thinks they are a Christian, but they really are not? I, I think so, because remember Jesus said, many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, open up. Didn't we cast out demons in your name, do all this stuff? And I will say to them, depart from me. I never knew you, you workers of lawlessness. Mm -hmm. So here's people that actually did miracles in Christ's name, but they never repented of their lawlessness. They never truly followed Christ, so they weren't saved. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Is it possible a person thinks he is not a Christian, but he really is? I kind of think that's possible. I think, you know, I, I think it's, you know, I've kind of had this experience. You talk to someone, they're, they're a believer in Christ, and, oh, but I don't know, Pastor, I'm so sinful and wicked. Well, they're having a down day, a down mm -hmm. moment, so they're wondering if they're saved, but Christ saves us doubts and all. Mm -hmm. this, the Bible says, believe on the Lord Jesus and you will be saved. It doesn't say believe on him perfectly, mm -hmm. which nobody does, True. and you will be saved. <laughs> oh. What version of the Bible do you like best? I, I, well, the NASB, New American Standard Bible, is very literal with the Greek and Hebrew. I like it. I especially like the English Standard Version Study Bible because they have great uh, sermon notes on the, I mean, study notes on the bottom of each page. Okay. Yep. What gospel tracks do you like? All right, now everybody, I'll tell you what I do. When I am on, when I am in the uh, Uber taxi and I don't have time to give the entire gospel, I'll give the guy a tip and then I'll say, and here's a, a pamphlet about uh, very important things or whatever. And then, uh, uh, here's one, Halloween quiz. When kids come to your door ringing the doorbell, give them candy, but slip in a gospel track mm -hmm. on salvation. Or it's Christmas time and you're sending out all the Christmas cards, send a Christmas card, but stick in a gospel track called The True Meaning of Christmas. So I, just go to the Christian bookstore, tons of great Christian tracks, leave it uh, and send it. And that's, I think this is a great way to share the gospel. It is. Yeah. Last question, I'm a mm -hmm. Christian and know God forgives me, but sometimes I doubt that because I feel so sinful. Mm -hmm. Any help? I, I, I'm in that boat too, but what helps me is I have a prayer partner. I confess my sins to him. He announces the forgiveness of sins. He assures me. Uh, I, I claim 1 John 1, 9. If we confess, God forgives, whether I feel it or not. So I claim 1 John 1, 9. Then I love to take Holy Communion and hear the words for, shed for the forgiveness of your sins. God assures us through communion our sins are forgiven. Amen. Amen. Well, we're just about out of time. Yep. Thanks for joining us today. Have a blessed week, and we'll see you next week on The Pastor Study. Thank you for watching The Pastor Study. You can watch more of our programs at pastorstudy.org. We are on the air preaching the gospel of Christ because of our generous support of you, our viewers. Would you consider supporting our ministry? you may do so at pastorstudy.org or write The Pastor Study, P.O. Box 41294, Minneapolis, Minnesota 55441. May the blessing of our one triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit be with you today and always. If you've been blessed by The Pastor Study, would you consider a tax-deductible gift to help us reach more people with the good news of Jesus Christ? You can donate at our website, pastorsstudy.org.
org two S's, or mail a check to the pastor's study. P.O. Box 41294, Minneapolis, Minnesota, 55441. May the Lord bless you and have a wonderful week. Thank you.